I looked and behold, the heavens were open. A ninth season. <laughs> we believe in the Trinity. We believe in the five solas. We believe in the doctrines of grace. A lot of the time, people are asking the wrong questions. They're not asking the questions like, do I understand God's grace? Do I understand the cross? single one of us has our own ministry. It doesn't matter if you work as a CEO or you work at McDonald's or whatever you do, or whether you're quote unquote in ministry, you have a ministry. As we mature, we walk, we, we enjoy our relationship with God in as much as we see his majesty in the blessings that we have just by what Yeshua has done for us, not by what we have done to impress God and then get something from him. So faith, so, so salvation by faith. Absolutely. Salvation by faith. I keep zeroing in on these, you know, the big ideas like what is biblical love? You know, what is what is grace? Do I have an accurate understanding of God's grace? Our love for Yeshua, but his love like through us is why we're doing what we're doing. And that's why it's called Messiah Matters. Wednesday, July 20th, 2022. This is Messiah Matters number 393. Yeshua's flock does not benefit from lies. I'm stealing Rob's lines. My name is Caleb Hegg. Hey, you caught me off guard there. <laughs> um, feeling a little sore today. We moved a bunch of uh, railroad ties and stuff. and This body ain't built for that. I'm Rob Banoff. There you go. That's what I was looking for. Moving railroad to- ties. My body is pretty sore for a completely different reason. But jujitsu, uh, man, because you've been boom. getting rolled. Oh my word! Unbelievable. It's uh, yeah. It's been good. The uh, yeah. I could I could launch into a I could launch into twenty minutes of of topics on that. Okay. So. Let's start with this. I have made all of our archived Rob and Caleb shows available on the YouTube page. I have done that for multiple reasons. Number one is because I've had Rob and three other people say, I think those should be up. And they were already up in audio format on messiahmatters.com, which you can go to and listen on the fly if you'd like to. Um... But now, now, you can go to YouTube, to our YouTube channel, and uh, you can watch all of them back to like show 30. Now, full disclaimer, you probably don't want to do that because they are awful. Uh, The early ones are really, really bad. But, uh, and beyond that, uh, at least my theology has changed somewhat in the past nine years. I think for the better, of course, otherwise it wouldn't have changed. Um, but I think that that can even be seen just in in how I personally express my faith. Uh, so I used to wear a kippa. I don't anymore. Uh, there's other things. You'll see me go through a wave of different styles. Uh, you know, I sometimes I'm All wearing. Right. A, no, <laughs> I wish my wife won't let me. 
Dude, did I tell you this? Are you ready for this? My son, did I tell yeah, you that yeah, my son- Yeah, yeah, you told me about Ben. <laughs> my son wanted oh, you to- You gotta I text me a picture, man. I, I do, yeah. I, my son wanted a mullet so bad. And finally, I just said to my wife, look, get, let the kid have a mullet. He's nine. She said, okay, I'll let him have a mullet until he's, until got, uh, for the next nine, nine weeks. weeks until, until he goes back to school, until the, the school pictures. And I was like, okay, fine. So I, I take him into the, and she was like, she said something to the effect of, yeah, you can give him whatever you, you want for the next nine weeks. And I was like, I'm not going to say anything. I'm just going to do it. So I go in, I shave the sides up the top on a number two, shave the top on a, what, number nine or something, leave the back complete. You know, I don't touch the back, but then I put the, I put lines, three lines down each side. Oh my word. It looks so epic. Anyway, where were we? Um, yeah, so the old archive shows are up. Go check those out if you'd like to. If you don't want to, <laughs> I understand. I wouldn't. Um, why don't you become part of this conversation? Do that two five by calling 253-465-3205. It's 253-465-3205. That is our comment line. And um, you can, you'll just leave a message. You don't have to talk to us. So you can tell us how much you love us, hate us, disagree with us, agree with us, whatever you want, doesn't matter. Um, and while I play the jingle for you to remember that number, I'm going to bring up the uh, email address, which is chagatorresource.com. Messiah Matters wants to hear from you. Leave us a comment, a question or two. Call 253-465-3205. Now I have to say this too, and I, I this isn't, you know, I don't want to be arrogant in any way, shape, or form, and I really don't want to um, have any kind of pride. Somebody accused me of that this last week, that uh, the guy on the left, this is what they said, the guy on the left is full of pride. Now, that's, I, I actually don't take those kind of comments lightly. I actually, I think about that and pray about that for at least a, a good day after somebody makes a comment like that, because that's not I what I want. Say for, I, pray, I pray about that for at least two seconds. <laughs> no. <laughs> Okay. <laughs> I mean, no, I, I mean, that's, that's, that's a major, you know, that's something that I definitely don't take lightly. No, pride is <laughs> but, a real thing we all have to deal with, you know, not, right. none of us are exempt. <laughs> from somebody, that. somebody said that we are, that we had um, deleted all of our past shows because we had repented. We had repented for, uh, for dividing the body. And, and for tearing down, tearing down brothers, tearing down brothers and dividing the body. Now, there may be some of that, and if there is, you know, I'm happy to pull shows where we might actually tear someone down with, uh, without any cause. Now, when I say tear down without any cause, what I mean is without theological. You know, when we're not addressing theological error, when we're attacking a person, then I'm happy to pull a, uh, an episode. Um, but what I said when I ripped off uh, Rob's line. On the way in, Rob said this right before we came on to onto the air. He said, Yeshua's flock does not benefit from lies. That's absolutely right. And the unfortunate part is, is that a huge amount of the flock today is uh, loves to get their ears tickled. And especially oh, totally, in the, yeah, I had a especially in the, the other day. especially in the Torah movement, in the Torah movement. And I'll give it's you worse, an, dude. I'll name a name. I'll name a name. And, you know, here you go. If, if people who listen to uh, to Nehemia Gordon, you got a guy who admittedly says he's not a believer, um, you know, outright denies Yeshua, and yet he's made his his headway into the Messianic movement, the Hebrew Roots movement. To me, he's on par with the, you know, Nehemia Gordon is on par with the prosperity gospel preachers. He is he's 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 a snake oil salesman and. The flock, you know, many from the flock have just globbed onto it. They think he's the greatest thing ever. I mean, he's up there with Benny Hinn. He's doing it better than Benny Hinn because a lot of people know that Benny Hinn is is full of it. But so many people just think Nehemiah Gordon's great. Uh, now, that does, that's not to say, I quickly want to say, that's not to say that Nehemiah Gordon's not a nice person to talk to. If you sit down, which I've done several times, if you sit down with Nehemiah Gordon and chat with him, he's very cordial. He's a very cordial person. Rob and I have had lunch with him before. Uh, he is a nice person. There's no doubt about it. My phone's ringing. Sorry. Um, but with that said, it doesn't, it, it, that doesn't matter. That's, that's not the point. The point is, is that, uh, you know, he's, he's tickling ears and people are loving it. Um, 
you have anything to say about that before well, we move I, on? The idea of, you know, Yeshua said, let your yes be yes and your no be no. And so, you know, I, I, there are times where I say, you know, that is a lie. <laughs> Don't we do we have an, <laughs> an, an lie? Hang on. I got it. I got it, it somewhere. It. You keep talking. I'll find it. I got it. Okay. I, yeah. Um, that, that like, that it's like a, it's, Caleb, is this legitimate jujitsu? Like if, if, if you call someone. Don't ask out, me, man. I, no, I don't know. No, check this out. This is spiritual jujitsu. No, you, someone says, um, uh, Yeshua is Metatron. Okay. And they're selling books on that. Right. And then, and, and selling, you know, come have me speak at your synagogue and I'll teach you all about how Yeshua is Metatron, right? And people are loving it, right? And then someone stands up and says, that's a lie. That's a lie. That is a that's that is not the Yeshua of the gospels that you're talking about. Right. You are you are snell, you are you are selling snake oil. And then people go to that person and say, You're so unkind. You're tearing down a brother. Why do you think that everybody has to have the same opinion as you? Like is that that's like a jujitsu move back at you because they're they're trying to say, oh you're you're just so unloving you're so prideful for you to say no in this scenario you're so prideful to to call this brother in Yeshua a liar. It's such it's 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 such a I don't even know what what you call that. Just remember, it's not a lie. If you believe it, the lie detector test determined that was a lie. (laughs) That's the one. (laughs) Uh, Yeah. I I mean, obviously, I think people can hear. Oh, oh, here's what I heard. Here's what I heard recently. Well, Rob, I I come from a Jewish perspective where multiple opinions are available, are are, uh, welcomed. Like, it's actually, I think, like a Jew. I've heard that lately. Well, I mean, look, here's here's the thing is that <laughs> and it's like, no, wait a minute, wait a minute. Yeshua's I it's like yes or no, is Yeshua the Messiah? Yes or no, is Yeshua Metatron? Right? Yeah, those so, are, yeah, those they're, aren't, they're, they're, those aren't they're, like <laughs> there are things that we can there are things that we can agree to disagree on, but there are things that we cannot agree to disagree on. And we've done shows on this, right? So uh the the thing is is that you know, my my good friend and brother in the Lord, Jeff Young, and I'll use him because I don't think he would mind. Um, you know, we disagree on, I would say, some, some larger issues. Um, and then we agree on the most important issues. So, uh, you know, Jeff leans towards pedo-baptism. Now, I reject pedo-baptism. But I'm not going to, but that's something we can agree to disagree on. I think he's wrong, but that doesn't mean that we're not brothers and that we can't not that we can't share a stage together in other words or that we can't, you know, be in a worship service together. Nehemiah Gordon, you get that guy in a worship service? I'm not worshiping with that guy. He denies Yeshua. So, there's a difference between let's, you know, it's okay to have multiple uh, you know, dis- well, disagreements. It's selling it's making a livelihood off something that is false as well. This whole, how to pronounce God's name revelation that he had on September 11th, apparently while the towers were being. Okay. Hang on just a sec. We're, we're way off topic, even though we haven't even started in on topic, but that's okay. We're just ranting, but, but love is bigger has given us a super chat. And so we will thank her for that. Oh, and you know, uh, let's see. Oh, does she get an audio clip of choice? She, she does, and she always chooses the same one, but I always put an extra one on the back, and so I'm going to do that today as well. Hers first, then mine, and then the thank you. Weights and measures. Rich Quando! You've been blessed. Okay. I need to Napoleon Dynamite in there. Oh, yeah. Oh, Bow yeah. to your sensei. Bow to your sensei. I love that. Okay. How would you like a roundhouse <laughs> kick to the face in these bad boys? Okay, um, so <laughs> let's actually get let's get on topic. 
Okay. What is our topic today? What is our topic today? That's a good question. We actually have a huge amount to talk about. We'll probably, I mean, Lord willing, we'll have some spillover into next episode because that's always nice when that happens. Tanner, our good friend Tanner, and I believe he has been a student recently, if not all uh, currently. Tanner says this, he says five biblical festivals. Now this is in a response to our uh, show that we had last week when we were talking about the biblical festivals. Now I'm the one who said five biblical festivals. I said there are five biblical festivals. Um, and this is a good conversation to have. We'll just read his comment first. He says, five biblical festivals, question mark. I'm counting six, maybe seven, if the day of first fruits during Hag Hamatzot is included as its own festival. Now, I think what he means by first fruits is not Shavuot. That's not what he's talking about. Just to clarify, and this is not a, a dig on Tanner in any way, but just to clarify, the Torah speaks of first fruits as Pentecost or as Shavuot, not as uh, the festival of Hag Hamatzot or of Matzah. Okay, so I think that he's many people within uh, within modern day uh, within the modern day Torah movement refer to the the six days of or the seven days, depending on how you count it, of uh, Passover as first fruits. However. I don't believe that the Torah ever refers to it as such. So there, that just to, I'm not downing anybody who calls it that. I'm just saying that there might be confusion if people hear that and they say, is he talking about Pentecost or is he talking about something else? Okay, so he goes on. Are you combining Pesach and Hag Hamatzot as one festival? Uh, normally I do. And the reason why is simply because it seems like in the apostolic scriptures, that the apostles and Yeshua refer, refer to Passover and Hag Hamatzot as the same thing. So it seems by the first century they've already been melded. Now, could they be separated? Yeah, I see how people would do that from a Torah perspective, looking at the Torah and saying, well, it seems as though there might be two festivals here. I understand that. So if we did that, now I'm going to pass this over to Rob, he's going to make a case for only three biblical festivals here in a few seconds. But if we did that, <clears throat> I know you so well, Rob. I know you so well. Uh, if we did that, then you would have an extra one. So that would bring my counting from five up to six, okay? If we separated the uh, Passover from Hag Hamatzot, the Festival of Unleavened Bread, okay, now you'd have six. And then I am combining, and this is probably a mistake on my part, I will agree on this. Uh, I am combining Sukkot and Shemini Yitzaret. Shemini Yitzaret, for those who don't know, is simply, uh, it just means the eighth day. Or, yeah, and so uh, basically the Torah actually does separate these. It says seven days you should live in booths and on this eighth day. So there would be a separation there. This would get us to the number seven, right? This would get us to seven festivals according to the Torah. Now, people like myself, uh, I'm not into gematria, but I understand that the Bible certainly does like the number seven, right? God likes using the number seven and the number eight, by the way. But number seven would make a complete number. And so that would make sense. However, the Bible also likes the number three. Rob, that's your cue. Go. <laughs> yeah, yeah. It's a, it's a great question. Like, how do we... And, and one, one angle to come at this is the word hog, right? If we want to be really formal about it, where the Torah just says there's three times a year. Right. And, where you and, go up, right? Yeah, and and so those are, and, and in that one you have Pesach and unleavened bread, kind of like you were saying. I see those as attached; they're inextricable, right, or in it inseparable from one another. Um, and then Shavuot, and then Sukkot, of course. Um, but you know, so that's just another angle to come out and and look at the look at the uh the scriptures and how things are are labeled okay so we actually have some great conversations going on in some great comments in the in the chat room um so i'll read two comments from john 17 project and then one from daniel so john 17's project says it always seems to me that there are seven listed in leviticus 23 sabbath passover first fruits shavuot what do we mean by so I? Once again, first fruits is not first fruits is shavuot. Is so 
maybe I'm misunderstanding here. Can can the John 17 project please clarify what you mean by first fruits? Are you referring to Shavuot twice here? Because that's how the the Torah. So so okay, he lists Sabbath, Passover, first fruits, Shavuot, Feast of Trumpets, Day of Atonement, and Sukkot. So first fruits he is listing as separate from Passover and from Shavuot. That's interesting. Yeah. I would I have, think I'd have to see that uh, on paper. There is a, a thread in the Messianic or Hebrew roots where identifies that as a feast and then says that's the day of the resurrection, that that is a picture of the resurrection. So and Daniel does the this. First day, that's the first day of the counting of the Omer. I so think. so if... D- Daniel that does viewpoint, which I, Daniel, I don't subscribe to that viewpoint. Yeah, I don't subscribe to that either. But Daniel uh, affirms what John 17 project is saying. Daniel says seven feasts at three occasions. So that reconciles you and me, right? <laughs> seven feasts at three occasions. Um, and then he goes, and then he lists some Passover, unleavened bread, first fruits, Shavuot, uh, Yom Teruah, Yom Kippur, and Sukkot. So that's how our brothers in the so chat room are no getting to seven. So Shemini Yitzharit is not in the list. Shemini Yitzharit is not, they're not listing Shemini Yitzharit. So that would get I us think, to eight. I think another, a, a better way, in my view, is to look at what's called Sabbaths. Right. Where in the calendar, besides the weekly Shabbat, are things called Sabbath or Shabbaton? And that will give you a, a much fuller list. Actually, days, if we days on which one is not permitted to work, let's count that. that hang on that just a second. Let's independent count, of. Let's count that. Let's add the biblical, uh, the weekly Sabbath. Okay. And I think we'd still get to seven, right? So biblical Sabbath, Passover is one Sabbath, right? Dude, I would Pe- have to put, we'd have to, what, what's we're looking at? Pentecost. You also got to look at, um, it's not just Leviticus 23. It's not the only place. Right. I don't have but, it in front of me. So but keep I, going. You got Yom Teruah, you got Yom Kippur, and then you have one at the beginning of Sukkot, and then you have uh, Shemini Yetzirah, which is still seven, if you include the biblical fest, the, the weekly Sabbath, rather. That's still seven. Anyway, there's there's plenty of ways to get to seven. When uh, Okay, so John's... Let's finish up some conversation here from the chat room. John 17 project says when reading it in Leviticus 23, it seems to have the start of first fruits during Passover with the culmination at Shavuot. I think it would be looked at both ways. It could be looked at both ways. Fair. Yeah. I mean, once again, I'm not going to, as my father often says, I'm not going to fall on my sword one way or the other for it. Um, and I think that, uh, these are, these are the theological. These are the little theological things that might be able to be preached on well, but really they are insignificant when it comes to our theological standpoint, right? Whether or not you're counting seven, I'm counting five, and Rob's counting three, or whether or not we're all counting seven and we're counting them differently. And nonetheless, that's how you could count them, right? Um, so, yeah, good comments. Um, and however, I will say this: out of all of the things that I would be dogmatic on. In in the counting of those things, the one thing that I would probably, if I was going to separate, um, I would definitely separate Sukkot from Shemini Yitzharit, the eighth day of, the eighth day of, it's not Sukkot, right? It's not Sukkot anymore. It is a day unto itself. And it's a Sabbath. So if if I was going to be dogmatic about any of the counting, it would be that Sukkot and Shemini Yitzharit should be two separate uh, should be counted separately. That's how I would I would view it. Well, Leviticus 23 39 says the 15th day is a Shabbaton and the eighth day is a Shabbaton. Right. Yeah. Agreed. Hey, and, you and, and me, we're right. is applied really just to the seven days. So in Leviticus yeah. 23, 39, Hag describes the seven days and then the eighth, there's a Shabbaton independent of the Hag at so, the very end. So I suppose that someone could argue against me that the that since the hog is since the seven days of Sukkot is only referred to as the hog and not the eighth day, that they should be wrapped up in one, which is essentially what you're doing when you count three instead of five or seven. Yeah. Okay. Good I just comments. need to know how to count, Caleb. 
Uh, yeah, and 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 uh, the cherry on top is the John 17 project comes in with the final word here, uh, which I think is completely right. He says, I think it's more about us walking them out versus counting them. Exactly. Okay, uh, good question, Tanner. Thank you very much for that. Let's move on. Uh, Alon Pujol23 says, great episode, talking of our last episode. Uh, <coughs> he says, I have a question. What is the quadradecimal disputes you mentioned a few times in the beginning of the episode, and what resources can you recommend for me to learn about this? Okay, so there is a historian named Eusebius. Eusebius writes about this. Now, there is a lot of question among the scholarly world whether or not Eusebius can be used uh, as any kind of a source for multiple reasons. he's what, writing in 4th century? He's writing in the 5th century, I believe. I think he's in the 400s. Okay. So he's right, writing in the fifth century, I believe, and uh, he's talking about things that are in the Google second. It. Yeah, you could Google it. Oh, I have that one too somewhere. I'm so unfamiliar with my uh, with my soundboard these days. Uh, I do apologize for that. Anyway, um, the point Dude, here is Eusebius. Of, is he the? Historian? You can Google it. There you go. So there's many, many Eusebiuses. He's 260 to 265. Oh, he's born. Died 339. So he's late third, early fourth. Fourth century. Okay, I apologize. I was wrong. Um, Here's the point is that he also seems to get some things historically wrong. Um, And so it's kind of a... People, scholars have wondered how much he's actually kind of trying to fill in the blanks himself. Yeah, and he has limited limited sources. He's taken like he, things he's he did heard not have Google. He did not have Google. Um, anyway, so uh, what is the so Eusebius does talk about the quadradecimal uh, dispute. Quadradecimal. You know what? We need to find. We need to talk to Elon Musk and see if we can get internet. <laughs> Into uh, call the him first, up all the way back to the first century. We need to get right. internet all the way back in time. As soon as we need, time to, we need, to, I've got questions and I can't reach those people. Okay, let's let's get serious for a second. Quadradesman <laughs> simply means, uh, well, let's put it into modern. Yeah, the fourteeners. Yeah, or, so, or the seven times tours. Yeah. So the no, quadradesimal controversy <laughs> is the uh, is the is when the church splits from the Jews on celebrating uh, the Passover on the 14th, as opposed to affixing it to a day which becomes Pascha for the church. And in America and Germany, it becomes Easter. And so- Pascha gets hijacked. Yeah. And so the the, the question is, is, and this is, the church disputes is this, whether or not they should celebrate, and a lot of people can say, oh, it's all pagan. It's not all pagan. And uh, basically the quadradecimal controversy is this, whether or not they should, the church should celebrate the resurrection of Christ on a Sunday every year because he, because Christ rose on a Sunday, right? Or whether or not they should try to affix it to when the Jews are celebrating Passover, which is the 14th and 15th of Nisan. Now, there is actually some good arguments both ways. And the reason why is because Yeshua didn't rise on the 14th. And therefore, but I'm not saying that that's a good argument on trying to change the Passover. All I'm saying is, is that I understand the disputes, right? Yeshua raises on, on a Sunday. And so the church want, really works through whether or not they should be celebrating the resurrection on a Sunday or whether they should affix it to a date. And Ultimately, I think that there was a little bit of a, we don't want to be associated with the Jews and maybe a little anti-Semitism there. We don't want to be associated with the Christ killers. Okay. Um, so for those of you who think, I believe that I don't think there's any anti-Semitism in the church in the early centuries, I do believe there was anti-Semitism in the church. And I think that this might be one of the instances where we see uh, the church's anti-Semitism come out a little bit. They want to be separated from the Jews and from the synagogue. What the motivation behind their anti-Semitism is, that's a totally different question. Yeah, but it, the was, po- it wasn't, ra- it's not racial. Right. They don't hate It's uh, theological. Uh, it's right. It's, there's same there's same vitriol against Gnostics uh, right. against uh, Manichaeans, you know, depending on where where you go. Anyway, keep so, going. No, so I mean, basically, that's that's what the Quadradesimal controversy is. Now, there were there were Christians who said, no, absolutely not. We need to be mm-hmm. celebrating the Passover, and ultimately, I think that they were kind of. I'm not fully versed in the Quadradesimal controversy, but I think that they were actually kind of debating two issues without realizing it. 
And the reason why is because some Christians wanted to celebrate on the 14th. And I think that this was right in terms of wanting to celebrate the Passover or Easter or whatever you want to say on the 14th when the Lord had his his last supper. And uh, these are things that should be celebrated on the 14th into the 15th of Nisan, right? So th this is not obviously the Gregorian calendar. We're talking about the Hebrew calendar. However, at the same time, when should the resurrection be celebrated? And should it have been affixed to a Sunday? No, I don't think so. If, if you're going to do anything, you should affix it to the second day of counting the Omer. That's what I would think. But uh, that's not what they decided. And so this is where you have a church split. And uh, ultimately, the quadradecimans get crushed in the end because they are looking too much like the Jews. Do you have anything else to say about that? that I hope that that answers the question. You can go look at Eusebius and his writings on the quadradecimans controversy. You can also look up on Google the quadradecimans controversy. You can have a lot of people who just um, condense all of the information and, and give some references to Eusebius as well. Uh, anything else to say on that? Nope, nope. It, I mean, but it is a, an issue of of it's not it's not just that the you had Gentile believers that were just anti-Jewish. The the Jewish groups that are, have survived and have a strong institutional stance are the emerging rabbis, the rabbis of the Mishnah, the rabbis who are, you know starting to kind of coalesce into a more or less um, Havarat, right? A brotherhood, okay. right? Of where they kind of have each other's backs against the claims of the gospels. And it's and, and in that culture, you have this transition from the acceptance of the Greek Jewish world and the Greek translations of the scriptures that had spread all throughout the Mediterranean um, and kind of ambivalence towards it. And then as the centuries go by, a, a complete rejection of anything that's Greek and Jewish. Right. Um, and that's, that is uh, because the success of the, the gospel message um, and a desire to insulate from the, the larger world and say, no, you know, we, we are our own people. And anyway, so, so it takes two to tango, right? It's not just one-sided, you know, I, I, I don't uh, like history that, uh, that didn't, uh, the, the roots of, of Jewish hatred in the, in the church, but I equally reject views that just paint Jews as just Vic, like the rabbis were just the victims, right? No, you can read, you can read the Mishnah and the Talmud. I mean, they're, the yeah, they're the Talmud says the issue is boiling in excrement. In yeah, they're Hades. trying to chop off the bear's head. They're not just poking the bear. They're trying. They're they're hitting the bear with an axe. So so the idea is it's 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 two sides that are hostile uh, at each other, and there's polemics. And sadly, God's Torah is uh, being neglected in that by both sides. Hang on, just a sec. We are. Okay, we're back. Um, yeah, try to, try to refresh. Um, hang on just a sec. Refresh. The last thing I'll say on this. Okay. Um, the last thing working? I'll say, yeah, the last thing I'll say on this is uh, in response to Brandon's question, he says, why Sunday though? Why not shifting day of the week determined by when the 15th falls each, day, each year? By the time you see BS writes, and by the time the quadradecimal controversy, even er, as early as the quadradecimal controversy, the church has moved from celebrating Shabbat or the Sabbath on a Saturday, and they've moved to Sunday. Now, there's multiple reasons why this happens, and I don't think it was malicious. I don't think that they were saying, ha-ha, we hate the Sabbath, we hate the Jews, we're going to move to Saturday. There's reasons why they moved to, or to Sunday, rather. There's reasons why they moved to Sunday. And I think later, they try to give, kind of like the rabbis do, they try to give a theological uh, reason why they've moved to Sunday. But by this point in time, Sunday has become essentially the Christian Sabbath. Now, I'm not advocating for that. I'm not saying that's right. I, I think that that's wrong. And I think the way that they got there is wrong. But at the same time, they see this day as holy. And so they're trying to, uh, they're trying to determine whether or not since this day, once again, not, not saying they're right on this, but uh, the church at this point is trying to say the Sunday is a holy day to us now. So should we celebrate the resurrection of Christ on a holy day 
or should we do it on the day that it probably happened? And ultimately, for multiple reasons, uh, some probably righteous in thought and some definitely not righteous in thought, uh, they affix it to a Sunday instead. Okay, let's move on. Okay, um, so last week we um, last week we talked. I think I could say at length about these uh, the separation of the Torah into civil, ceremonial, and moral categories. I have suggested that this is a not a good uh, way to view the commands of Torah. And I've given reasons. You can go back and I've clipped it into two clips. You can see it in our short clips uh, on the Messiah Matters YouTube page or on our Rumble page for that matter. Uh, you can also go and watch the entire show. It is show uh, 392. Um, however, that's neither here nor there. This is in response to that. Clayton says, I've heard people say that even though the term civil ceremonial moral laws are not mentioned in the Bible, they are implied by the Bible in certain scriptures like Colossians 2. We're going to have to come back and talk about that. Also, so I'm going to, I'm going to reverse this because I like, I want to go in the reverse order. So this is the question we're going to look at first. He says, uh, also, Trinity is never mentioned, but we believe in the Trinity because the Bible seems to imply that, that in many scriptures. Okay, so let's address that one first. I completely agree with you. I'm not saying that because the Bible doesn't mention uh, categories like civil, ceremonial, or moral that uh, th- that would discount such categories. Um, but what I am saying is, is that those categories are not mentioned in the Bible and they're not helpful. They don't do anything for us. In fact, uh, they are. So we had a lot of comments on that on that uh, video. One of them was, no, the the Torah uh, has categories like husband, wife, priest, judge, elder, and the, those categories are true. Okay, those are right. Um, for the reasons that I stated last time, that you have sin, sin, right? Yeah. Right. right. Are, are we saying, I mean, ultimately, sorry, but ultimately we're saying this thing, this, this was a sin once, but it's no longer a sin. Right. Right. And so if I say it was ceremonial. Yeah, there's, there's uh, multiple It was issues. a sin in a certain era. The, 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 the problem is, is that as I think I attempted at least to demonstrate last week, um, there are, are commands that you're going to have that fall into all of the categories, and a, a sacrifice would be a, a clear one. So, for instance, people who uh, want to use these categories are going to say, well, sacrifice falls under the ceremonial laws. Okay, well, if it falls under the ceremonial laws, and I made this point last week, what about sacrificing to a false god? Is that moral or is it ceremonial? And the answer is going to be from, I think, anyone who's honest, well, that's a moral, that's a moral issue. So then sacrifice is not simply just a ceremonial issue, it's a moral issue as well, because if you're doing it to someone other than God, then it's immoral, right? So then it must be moral to sacrifice to the true God, and therefore you have the this blurring of lines, right? You know, I could go on and on and on about this, and in fact, most of the laws if that people want to categorize, a kosher law would be another example of this. It's clearly not a ceremonial law in terms of sacrifice or anything like that in the temple, it's a lifestyle law, which means that if you break it, it's actually a moral law, not a ceremony. Anyway, so you get the point. Uh, ultimately, the reason that I would reject them and say the Bible doesn't mention them is because the Bible doesn't mention them and they're not helpful. They don't work. And so it's pretty clear that you have a man. When we look at something like the Trinity, sure, the word Trinity is not used, but clearly throughout all of Scripture, starting in Genesis 1, you have the Trinity being uh, being put forth by the Scriptures. Do you have anything else to say on that? Um, yeah, I mean, it's a good, good discussion uh, in terms of, I mean, the larger point, right? Jerusalem's not mentioned in the Torah. The resurrection, there's no word resurrection in the Torah, but Yeshua tells the Sadducees, you err, not knowing the scriptures nor the power of God. And then he talks about the burning bush incident to, to teach about the resurrection to the Sadducees. Um, the claim that Jeru- the word Jerusalem isn't in the Torah was leverage 
that that the Samaritans thought they had for their version, right? It's for their polemic against. So, so, so that's that's you know part of the discussion. You know what words are helpful because this is what you're getting at on that point, Caleb. Is right. what words are helpful and help bring out the scriptures that are coherent with the voice of 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 the scriptures with God's voice and are actually helpful for us in our translating and meditation and, right. and comparing scripture with scripture and edify us up that, that keeps our keeps our pride in check back you know God's on the throne all, all glory to Yeshua right uh, as our redeemer etc versus things that we bring in that kind of hijack that attitude into like, well, I come from a, I come from a background where we, you know, we were pig farmers and we ate pork and we all love God. We're all nice to each other. We read our Bible. You know, it just doesn't seem to me that there's anything wrong with eating pork. It just doesn't feel like there's anything wrong to it. And you know what? I've gone to church on Sunday my whole life and my parents and my grandparents and we have nothing but fond memories of, of church. And I learned all about Jesus at church. And now, and so I have all this ingrained. It just doesn't feel to me right. there's anything wrong with this, right? And so if, but if I say, oh, those were ceremonial. Now all of a sudden it's like, oh, okay. I, I don't have to, I don't have to dig into that discomfort of my of feelings, right? my feelings of that eating that pork is, is like just nothing wrong with it. You know, you can't, I I'm blameless. I'm a blameless soul. You can't, you can't say just something I'm eating is going to, is somehow offending God. That's silly. That sounds so uh, primitive or that I, you know, and so then, then there's this distancing of the God of the old Testament from the God of the new Testament. Oh, Jesus came to do away with all that stuff. So yeah, we can read that stuff and it's part of our Bible, but you know what? It doesn't really apply to us. It was a different people, different time. And so that to right. me, and, and again, we talked about this before, it's that realm in my limited experience, it's that realm where this idea of ceremonial and moral come into play, where the, where the rubber meets the road in terms of Absolutely. how I understand my life with respect to the, the assertions made in the revealed word of God in the scriptures. So if if you haven't already, please subscribe to our YouTube channel. I'm just going to say that right now. Stop what you're doing. Subscribe if you haven't already. Uh, but I do want to respond to this. Brandon says, why does God at times remove the law connected to temple worship, but not other laws? I'm not sure I quite agree with that. Now, let, well, he let's ta- work. He takes the, he, if he destroys the temple... Let's that, let, yeah, let's, but let's we work but through... We don't, we don't need to get to New Testament times to have... To, yeah, so, but hang on, hang on just a sec. So within the Tanakh, God says to Israel, stop bringing your stinking sacrifices, right? And he says that multiple times. It's not just in one prophet, it's in multiple. But this is not, to me, removing the command to sacrifice. To me, it's saying your heart is not right. So you're not, so your sacrifice is worthless anyway. So it does what you're bringing is not what I've commanded you. It's what like I've, putting your son in timeout because right. they're misbehaving. It's like, look, you're... You're not even you're not even going to have dinner with us tonight because of the way you were treating your sister. You're going to go sit in your room. We'll right. save a mom will save a plate for you. You know, here I, <laughs> I've been on all, all every side of this one. <laughs> yeah, yeah, exactly. So, no, but the idea is like it's a whole thing. It's all about relationship. The the the, the point is raising up godly children. Isaiah one starts from he's like, look. The ox knows its owner, the donkey knows where to get its water, but my people don't understand me. He's like, my people are dumber than a donkey. Like they're, you know. So wait, hang on just a sec. So, so, so I agree with you completely. Now let's move on to the temple. Israel as a nation, not all the Jews, of course, but Israel as a nation rejects Christ when he comes, right? He is crucified. Paul goes says, repent, look at what you've done, you know, repent. We've all done this as a nation. He's, he essentially says that to, to the people. They say, get out of here. He says, all right, I'm going to the Gentiles. 
So the, the fall of the temple and the ceasing of the sacrifices to me is, a, is once again God saying, nope, you, you've missed it. You're going, to reject, you're going to reject me and you're going to reject the, the propitiation that I've made for you. Then I'm going to punish you and I'm going to punish you hard. He takes the temple away. Now, people are going to say, well, what about the Gentiles? Obviously, we're part of that too. We can't take a sacrifice. And my response to that is, yes, but Hebrews teaches us that as believers, we have, since we have a contrite heart and since we have Yeshua, we have the sacrifice in the greater temple. So technically speaking, we are still fulfilling the commands of, of the sacrifice in the heavenly temple. And we're doing that through Christ and his intercession for us. So ultimately, I think that the fall of the temple and the ceasing of sacrifices is really a, a punishment for uh, the, the Jewish people, for Israel. And those of us, whether Jew or Gentile, who are believers in Christ, it's, I, I don't see it as the same punishment. It's not a punishment. It's that he's reprimanding this child over here. And so we have joy in the fact that we have the real thing, which is the sacrifice, and we have a contrite heart uh, towards the Lord through Yeshua and the Holy Spirit. And therefore, uh, we are able to fulfill those commands because of that, right? Our sacrifice is uh, you know, a contrite heart and prayer to the Lord. Okay, let's move on. And, so, and, and one last bit. Yep. Yeshua wept over Jerusalem, said, you know, you, this, the day of your visitation, right? You know, I long to gather you together like a hen gathers chicks under her wings. And he's weeping. He's, Yeshua's not, Yeshua's not happy about the destruction of the temple, but he's not going to, he's not going to sugarcoat it. He's not like the lying, the lying prophets in the time of Jeremiah that said, oh, the peace of the Lord, the peace of the Lord. Oh, everything's going to be fine. Jeremiah is like, no, things are not going to be fine. And Yeshua says, no, not one stone's going to be left on another. But it didn't bring him joy to say this. And he and he said, also, there's a, in one of the gospels, he says, if they if they do this when the tree is green, what's going to happen when the tree is dry? In other words, he has they had John the Baptist preaching, they had Yeshua preaching the truth healing, pre, you know, countless people coming to repentance and the religious leaders rejected him. Worse, they handed him over to the gent, they, they handed over a righteous Jew to the, to the occupying imp, empire with full knowledge that, that he was going to be crucified. They even cried out, crucify him. Right. Okay. This Jew, this righteous Jew who taught pure Torah. Now, even if even if they didn't know that he never sinned, they knew that countless people came to repentance. That um, that he had taught right, and he's like, "This is this is what they do when the tree is green." It's it's. You know, the gravity of the loss of the temple is something I think that it's good for us to reflect on from time to time. And of course, Absolutely. that's what, that's what the, you know, the, uh, uh, there every summer there is the, the remembrance of the destruction of the temple and, you know, the reading of Lamentations is part of that, which is, uh, I think, again, back to this is a touch back to like Purim and, uh, and, and stuff like that. Uh, Hanukkah, which are not technically feasts, but are part of the legitimate calendar. And, uh, you know, the destruction of the temple is, I think, also not that you're obligated to fast, but I think it's good to reflect on that because in our day and age, I know in my life, I've relatively speaking, I've had a cushy life, you know? And so it's hard for me to get my mind around the trauma involved of being a a Jew in the first century who, you know, born, you know, the temple's been there, you know, let's say you're a third generation Jew since, since the Maccabean reclaiming of the, of the temple Mount building up of the temple, Herod building up the temple, there would be a natural national pride and confidence. And like, this is who my people is and learning in that environment. You've got all sorts of 
Torah scholarship, even among those that, the sectarians that disagree with each other. And yeah, sure, they're Roman-occupied land, but to have all of that destroyed to where not one stone is on another and you have masses of your people killed by Rome. Your identity is all of a sudden gone. Families destroyed, seeing yeah. your loved ones killed in front of you or crucified or fleeing for the hills. That That's just, a, you know, that's a harsh reality. And Yeshua knew that was happening, you know? And he's like, look, the tree's green right now, right? John the Baptist says, he acts as at the root of the tree right now, repent. Right. And, and many did. Praise God. Many repented. But for those that did not, you know, what? So, okay. I, I, I completely agree with what you're saying. And I, I, I think it's actually, extended uh, foot, extended rant. It's okay. I think, I think we can actually come back to this next week. We actually do. We're not going to have enough time for all of what we got. And we actually have some really good questions. Actually, what I thought was going to be our main topic is going to be pushed to next week, which is totally fine. Um, and that's talking about, uh, that's talking about, uh, the, the, the apostolic scriptures, what is commonly known as the new Testament being written in Greek versus Hebrew and how to respond apologetically to people who believe that it's written in Hebrew or Aramaic. Um, and then also what do we think of the term accused source? We're going to leave all that for next week. Um, but Kyle at the end of his, uh, comment here, and that's who we're going to, his comment is what's going to be, uh, filling most of our time next week. He says this, I also fail to understand the joke that is consistently made about messianic rabbis. You imply that there is no such thing, or uh, there's a question mark on that. I'm sorry. You imply that there is no such thing. Could a Christian e ever be ordained as a rabbi? Or rather, can an ethnic Jew who converts to a faith in Yeshua be called a rabbi if they are ordained? Or is it just made up junk? Um, I know that, that Rob is going to have a ton to say about this, so I'm going to let him wax boldly on it here in just a second. I will simply just say this. The joke is, is this. Back in Yeshua's time, uh, the term rabbi, what you would do, what it, what it seems tend to happen, uh, started to happen was you would have people who would start schools. Now, the schools were not what you and I think of the day where you go and you sit in a classroom or something like that. The disciples or the students would probably live with their teacher as we see the disciples doing, right? Uh, so people often say to me, well, the disciples didn't have an education. Yeah, they did. They sat with their, their teacher night and day for three years straight. That is a more than a doctorate, right? That's more than a doctorate. So um, these schools were these people coming up. And ultimately what you start to have happen, my father's written on this. You can find this uh, article, the term rabbi on TorahResource.com. Um, ultimately what starts to happen is you have people who, if, if the rabbi says it, if your rabbi or your teacher, this title teacher starts to become something, if the rabbi says it and you're a student, it's as good as if God says it. And the same with the term father, right? And we see this split within Christ, the Christian church and the Jewish synagogue. The Jewish synagogue uses the term rabbi and continues to use it. And even today, if what's the term? Ask your local rabbi. If you go and you ask your rabbi, it's as if God says it, right? So that's, and Yeshua is totally against this. And also the church has taken the term father and they've used that now. If the priest says it or the father says it, you do it because it's as if God says it. And this is exactly what the scriptures are, are against. In modern time, I know that I'm now I'm waxing boldly. In modern time, I'll give you some history and then I'll pass it. In modern history, what has happened is to become a rabbi, you don't just simply say you're a teacher and all of a sudden you get disciples. You go to school. Rabbinical school is no joke. It's college. You go to a rabbinical college and you study a lot. The, the main joke is, is that those in the messianic realm who call themselves rabbis do not get certificates of any kind. They have never gone to any rabbinical school. What they, if they have gone to school, it's not a rabbinical school, and it's not what anyone would think of as a rabbinical school. Um, and so they just basically it would be like if I decided one day, hey, I'm going to call myself doctor. Now I'm Dr. <laughs> that happens Caleb too, Hague. though, Caleb. That happens too. Right. Well, it's Dr. Shapira. All of Dr. a sudden, rabbi. he's doctor, doctor, rabbi. A rabbi, doctor. Which do you say first, rabbi, doctor? Yeah. So, but, and if you and, say the you when you have a multiple titles, you say the most lofty. Imagine one first. Imagine. 
So it's, it's whatever you think is the best one you lead with. So if it's so, rabbi well, hey, doctor. Hey, let, let me just let me just finish this real quick and then I'll pass it to you. The the groups like the MJAA and the UMJC, they've made up these fake rabbinical uh, ordinations. They're fake. They're not real. And so you have these these Christian rabbis who come along, they just <laughs> They just slap the title rabbi onto themselves when really what you're doing is you're basically saying, well, I'm a doctor now. I have no schooling. What's the testimony? What what is the testimony from a Jewish perspective? Like, like let's say you grew up in Israel and you're an Orthodox Jew and you're surrounded with rabbis your whole life. And then you see these guys that are messianic rabbis who, who aren't, they have no near, training. Yeah, yeah. And they just like seem to like give, and it's like, man, there's all there's a whole different world of rabbis over here. And so I have to put messianic in front of it now. Right. So it's like, oh, you're one of those. Right. It's how does that and then and then if even if they then go, okay, I just I'm out of curiosity, you messianic rabbi. I'm going to read the scriptures that you have. So they go and they read the gospels and like, oh, it says here, don't be called rabbi. So okay, so right. why would your and you're a disciple of this rabbi? Yeah. Well, he says, don't be called rabbi. So why are you taking something that's clearly from our history? And yeah, why like, are you doing what you trying just to said not me? to? Like, are you trying, like, it's, there's no, and I, I have talked with people up and down. I've, <laughs> to me, there's no angle where this gets traction. Right. Right. <laughs> There's no angle where this gets traction. And in fact, I have met and eaten with a dear brother who late in life came to faith. And he was a third generation rabbi who taught Talmud in Jerusalem, Orthodox rabbi. And he came to faith and he was kicked out of his, he lost his family. He lost his livelihood, everything. And God went on to do amazing things for him. Does he go around calling himself rabbi? No. But you know what? Technically, he right. is. Yeah. You know what I mean? He could open up. He, he, he is qualified within that cultural system. Right. right? Yeah, no, wait, so, wait, wait. What, and, you, what, you just said, what you just said is vitally important. The term rabbi, according to Judaism, is a is a extremely large grasp on Talmudic Hebrew, the Talmud, the Midrash, the, I mean, more than any other books. It's not a, a, a good understanding of the apostolic scriptures. It's not, not even all. a great, right. it's right. not even a great understanding of the Torah. It's a great understanding of the oral tradition and possibly parts of the Kabbalah. And so the people who are because taking the, that. Right. The main claim is that you are now the new generation that it, that reflects the Sinai revelation. Then right. that you're part of this unbroken chain that goes all the way back to Moses. That, you know what, doesn't need the gospel, right? That worldview is already immunized, quote unquote. It, 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 it has a worldview. It is a, a way of look, reading the Torah and thinking about what a human is, et cetera. What is a Jew? That, that only the Holy Spirit can penetrate into the hearts of people who are bought into that system. And when it does, when, when, when it does come about that their heart is sh- shifted, when the Ruach moves, and then those people who experience that new birth, they can't stay in that system. They have, a, they have to reframe everything right. they thought they knew. Yeah, so, so to me, when you talk about the modern day, what is a, a rabbi? It is a system that if you come to faith in Christ, you don't want to have any part of it. It would, you know, you said to me the other day, it would be like if somebody uh, was an imam and they came to Christ. Would you keep calling yourself imam? No, of course not. You know, I think the same thing about the term rabbi. What what rabbi is is a is, is a, that, did I say did we talk about that the other day? Yeah, I, I love that one. Imam. <laughs> Hi, my name is Imam Sheik, Caleb. Sheik. Sheik yeah, Sheik Caleb. Talk. Like Sheik. Why, it's a system that is anti Yeshua and anti God. Why what, would what's you? It, what is it in a guru? What is it in Buddhism? 
Hi, my name is Guru Caleb, <laughs> right? Like, and and not only that, but you just t- start calling yourself that, right? Oh, I'm just gu- Guru Caleb, and now you know. But the point is, is that the term rabbi, as it's used in modern day Judaism, is completely anti Yeshua, and so to continue to like to call yourself that, it. Sh- to me, and look, there I'm sure there are some wonderful brothers and sisters in the Lord, well, some brothers at least, who call themselves rabbi. Okay. But out of ignorance, but it but it what it shows is a complete, I would say, ignorance in this realm. It shows that there is a theological issue that you have either not understood or that you just willfully reject like don't care about. This one, if I may, just have a minute just to okay, this. The issue we're talking about is not unique to the Messianic Jewish world. Right. You can just totally set that aside for a moment and just just zero in to the Orthodox Jewish world. Because in the Orthodox Jewish world, they have history of what it takes to be a rabbi, right? Institutionally. And they see like the, the more left liberal movements within Jewish culture where they call their synagogue, they don't call it a synagogue, they call it a temple, right? Uh, and they eat pork, right? And they don't think the Torah is divinely a ma- uh, word of God, but it's a word of man, it's just wisdom, etc. And they believe the Messiah is just an idea. It just means that, you know, that all humanity are one. And they have rabbis, though. So what do the Orthodox do when they look at the conservative or even further left expressions of Jewish culture and tradition where they still use the term rabbi. Well, see that, that bothers the Orthodox rabbis because like, wait a minute for the same reasons, right? For the same reasons. It's like you, you can't. And so one solution that has been offered in that is to make a distinction between legitimate rabbi and a valid rabbi. And this is, taken by, for example, Yeshiva University's kind of the, the rabbinical school associated there is that, okay, so you have a reform rabbi or a conservative rabbi, they can be called a valid rabbi. And the reason why it's valid is because, you know what, they're serving a function for a local Jewish community. They're, they're trying to organize gatherings. They're trying to bring a sense of Jewish identity Right. Just like broad brushstrokes, crayons, right? They're just, you know, they're serving sure. community in a in a valid way. And so they want to be called rabbi. Okay. It's valid. It's valid functionally. But is it legitimate? No. To be a legitimate rabbi means this other thing. And so they're trying to differentiate themselves by saying, look, it's difficult language shifts. People take a word hijack. We talked about the same thing with Pascha, right? right. Pascha for centuries meant something for the Greek speaking Jewish community, right? There was no, they didn't argue about Pascha. Pascha is everybody knew you go up to Jerusalem at Pascha. Okay. Right. And then all of a sudden you have these Greek gospel texts distributed, being copied, being copied often without supervision of other scribes being taken all throughout the corners of the Mediterranean, people who have no historical background. They have, they've never been to Israel. They never even thought about Jerusalem before. And they're reading and learning about Yeshua and Pascha, right? And it's in those environments where they're like, what is this Pascha thing? Oh, well, and they have to start building a, a house that kind of answers their questions about it. Cause it's like, Oh, right. I want to be obedient. And that's where they come up with Sunday. Oh, well, he, you know, it was a Friday, you know, Good Friday, right? And so they're trying to put monuments in their in their gear in a liturgical kind of modification of their life. We want our life to reflect a lit- liturgy of our love of God, right? But, but but in fact, it's not legitimate Pascha. But if you went if we went to Greek Orthodox and said your your Pascha's valid, but it's not legitimate, you know, they're going to say no. It uh, anyway it. It shows that these words drift, right? Words drift. That's why in the King James, it says, you know, if a man enters your assembly wearing gay apparel, right? New Bibles won't. Would never say that, right? Won't say that. 
Why? And, because wait, the word gay but, has, has shifted and drifted. But but people are going to say, well, yeah, but maybe it's shifting. The word rabbi is shifting now. The, the, the point in my response, that would be, you can't just hijack a word and say, now we're going to use it however we want. It doesn't work like that. So rabbi still has a specific meaning within Judaism. But second of all, Yeshua says, don't be called father or rabbi. Right. So, so, oh, and, so then, the, oh, and then I've heard, this is what I've heard from Messianic rabbis. They say, oh, well, oh, do you stop, do you stop calling your earthly father, father then? I've heard that too. And I'm like, no, that's not the point. The point is when you, when a community takes somebody and, and gives them a title father over us or the title that the idea is no, Yeshua is your rabbi. Yeshua is your teacher. Right. And you are all brothers and sisters. I mean, to be uh, honest with you, this is one reason that I, you know, now I, I understand it. The word pastor and deacon is used in the scriptures, right? And so people say, oh, well, what about pastor deacon? I think that the, since the scriptures call, call leaders of communities that, then we are at liberty to do so. However, I do find... I because they're a, verbs. Those right. are verbs. Ver, uh, deacon comes from server. Right. It means it means you're you're appointed serving like a, a like a shamash, right? It just means the same. It means you're there. You have a role. Like let's say someone's a first time visiting. A shamash is a person that's that is not sitting talking about the Torah portion right then. They're ready and available as a server. Same thing with a pastor. A pastor is a shepherd. It's someone who's worried about the edges. They're overlooking the whole flock. They're looking at, at predators, right? And they're making sure food is good. These, these are nouns that reflect verbal so, roles. And, and the thing is, is that- I, Rabbi I, just means my great one. <laughs> when, I, when, when, I, when I see lead pastor or head pastor, that, I, I get a twinge out of that. Because we have, one, we have one lead pastor, one head pastor, right? And we are all under pastors. Okay, um, our time is up. But we have, we already have some stuff for next week, and I am excited for that. Um, and you should be too, because it's going to be wonderful. Until then, if you have not already done so, please consider subscribing. We would really appreciate it. It does help us, and uh, we want you to be able to see every time a new video comes out. And we put out videos four times a week now, so you don't want to miss any of those. And not only that, but you can also be part of the conversation, 253-465-3205, or chag at torresource.com. That's the email address. And yeah, we, uh, well, we hope that this conversation has done at least one thing, and that is to glorify our great God and Savior, Yeshua the Messiah. Why? You know why. Because Messiah matters. Messiah matters.